Boy, every time we get to this time of year, I get very, very excited because it's a time of year for us to look back on what we have seen God do and celebrate that, but it's also a time of year for us to kind of dream a little bit about what we think God might do in the coming year. So if you're new with us today, I just wanna remind you, this is a great day for you to be here. We're glad that you're here because you're going to get a, a great snapshot into what we've sensed the Lord doing and what we've seen the Lord doing. And so it's a great time for us to be together. Um, we've been working through the 55th chapter of the book of Isaiah. So go ahead and turn there if you would, because we're gonna hang out there again today uh, as we kind of finish this chapter and as you turn there, we've been looking at the right way, the right book, and today's the right attitude. The right way is important for us because we have to understand that doing it God's way is the only way to do it. And he gives us the right book, the instruction manual on how to do that. And then finally, we're really tasked with the right attitude, just to, to understand what the result is of walking with the Lord. As we go through today, I, I do wanna encourage you maybe to grab a pen and keep it handy because there's an opportunity or two in the second part of our time together that might just kind of arrest your attention and you might wanna just write it down so that you can go and, and serve in that area at some point. You know, God may just speak to your heart and I often find that if I don't write it down, I don't remember it after I'm eating lunch on Sunday, amen? You just snickered, but you didn't say amen, that's all right. It's just me then, once again. You guys are so good and I'm the only one that ever struggles around here. I'm so grateful for today. I wanna to read the last two verses of Isaiah 55. You will indeed go out with joy and be peacefully guided. The mountains and hills will break into singing before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, a cypress will come up. Instead of a briar, a myrtle will come up. And this will stand as a monument for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be destroyed. What an interesting way for God to cap off this chapter as he's been talking to his people that are struggling because they're, they're really in exile. They're under duress. Things aren't good for them. And he says, if you guys want to get right, you got to get on my path. If you want to get right, you got to st stop thinking the way you think and go back to the book. Go the way I think about things. And when that happens, there's a result for your life that goes forth and it's that you're led forth in joy and peace begins to guide your life. And I think that's an important thing for us to think about because as we thought about this coming year, oftentimes at this time of year, we'll stop and tell you, hey, in the next 90 days, we want to accomplish this as we look to the new year. But this year, we didn't feel that way. We felt like God kept centering us back on this word, joy. Now, how many of you have ever heard somebody say that joy can easily be explained by saying it's Jesus, others, and then you, right? That order, Jesus, others, you. That's a great way for us to think about it because if I'm focused on my relationship with Christ, that leads me to focus on my relationship with other people because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. I, I didn't come so that you could set me up on, on, on a hill over here and worship me right now. I, I came to serve and draw people to myself for sure. But every time people tried to make Jesus king right then, he resisted. He was the suffering servant in that time. So when we focus on other people's and put ourselves last, joy begins to envelop our lives. And as the pastors of the church can attest to, we do our best 
every year to live by Isaiah 55 because we wanna be on God's plans. And I wanna just say this today. This is the best idea that we have about God's plans for this next year. This is church. He can do whatever he wants. And he can take us down a road we haven't thought about. And we're okay with that. We won't come back to you and say, well, man, we, we really wanted to do this, but God had something different. Shucks. No, we'll be excited about it, won't we? But we'll, we'll be grateful for that. But this is just as we understand it. And we wanna live by the book that God's laid out for us in the scripture. And so as we look back at the last year, we think it informs the way we think about this year. And so that's kind of where I wanna start. And I'm gonna spend uh, maybe half to a little bit more talking about last year and some things that we saw God do before we get into this idea of where we see God leading us because there's some things that we need to celebrate and enjoy this morning. If I could sum up last year with one word, it really would be that we understand now that prayer is the engine that drives the church. Prayer's the engine that drives the church. You may remember where we asked you to start joining us on Sunday night prayer services. And I gotta be very honest, the first couple of ones that we did, I remember talking to Kirk about it and I was like, it's just weird. Doesn't feel normal. And you know, when you're learning a new skill, doesn't it feel that way? Somebody throws you the ball and it hits you in the head? You know, it's like you gotta learn to catch. Then we learn to dribble. Then we learn to shoot. And one day it doesn't feel awkward anymore, right? And that's exactly what we've experienced. As we started that, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what God had in store for us. But what we've been able to see is that as we have gathered together and prayed at very specific intervals, God has been answering those prayers and leading us forth. And we just praise him for it because we understand that a little bit better now. And every second Sunday, we're gonna gather and we're going to pray. Now, even Super Bowl Sunday, just in case you're wondering, we'll be here. We're gonna be early because it didn't say you can pray and not watch the Super Bowl. But we're gonna be early. Why can't we do both? Why can't we make it a priority to say, we'll be here in the afternoon and we'll pray and we'll fellowship together in the evening. There's nothing wrong with that. We're gonna be excited about seeing what God has in store for us. So we're not gonna stop that. But we learned so much out of that and we really just see that it led us actually to the next thing. We were praying for new people. We were asking God to send new people. You may remember that we started talking about the fact that we weren't satisfied with the number of people that we were seen baptized. We felt like it should be more. We felt like there were more people that were lost that we could engage and we didn't exactly know how to do it. So what did we do? We started praying about it. And guess what? God is faithful to build his church. God is faithful to redeem the lost. That's what he said Jesus' whole mission was. We're just joining his mission. It's not our mission. It's God's mission. And we saw that. You remember we told you that we wanted a hundred new people. We wanted that because we couldn't sustain the level of ministries we had if we don't start bringing people in. And, and I think this is an important question for us to answer, even as we think about this year. Like how many people is enough? One more. How many is enough? One more. We're not, it's not a number we're chasing. We had 101 people join the church last year. We prayed for 100. God gave us one more than we needed, right? I mean, and that's a great thing. But, but how many is enough? It's not about building the church to be a numerical thing. It's about the fact that every time somebody's saved, it ought to remind us that somebody else is lost, amen? It, it ought to remind us, we praise God for that and go, let's go get back in the, in the fields and get back to work because we know that God is in the business of saving people. And, and, and I know sometimes that can feel a little bit overwhelming, especially if you came and the church was this size and now you feel it growing in this size. Can I help you with something? I gotta, I'm gonna bust your bubble right here. You're only ever gonna know 150 people here. That's it. That's what sociologists tell us. In fact, this, this is great. If you read Mal Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point, he talks about 
The Gore-Tex industry, how many of you wore your raincoat in this morning, the little Gore-Tex? Anybody? You know, that, that industry, they, they so believed that, what sociologists and psychiatrists were saying, they built their whole company that way, buildings of 150 only. Then they build a new building with 150 only because you're, you just can't handle it. So here's the thing. You're already past everybody you can know. It's all right. We can add a few more. We'll all be fine. We're just going to try to get to know them the best we can. And they'll get to know some people you know and all that kind of stuff. It's not about how many more. We just want more to come to know Christ, more to be involved. And that is our prayer. I want you to watch this video because I think it really sums up what we've seen God do in the last year. Turn and watch this with me. that. Amen. Let's give the Lord a little praise for that. Now, Pastor Kirk, you're from Florida, so I don't know about you. You may like the water. I don't care for the beach, but I like that water and I don't ever mind being in it. You know what I mean? That gets me excited to see that. And as I look back and I see, I see Caitlin this morning, I saw you, I, I love seeing that because that's the life of a church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And as we think about that, that ought to just encourage us this year to keep doing that, okay? You saw something in the video that I think is important too. We asked you to engage in the New Life initiatives with us. One of the things that we recognize was that when the Supreme Court said Roe v. Wade goes back to the states, it changed some things. And we felt like as a church, we couldn't just sit back anymore. We, we had to engage in that process to help people who were going to be dealing with a new reality of having children. And, and so we, we really ramped up our efforts. We had our best effort ever in Embrace Grace. That's our ministry to single moms or folks who are experiencing unplanned pregnancy. And we walk alongside of them and our ladies do such a good job of that. You saw a picture of them standing in the boutique that we have for them to come and get what they need for their children or for their families. And we're so grateful that we were able to do that. We have another semester of that starting up here in just, I think, a couple of weeks. Uh, they're gonna be kicking off another semester of that. And we just praise the Lord for that. And then you see this thing, the care portal. The care portal is something that helps us meet the needs of foster families and adoption agencies here in the Mid-State area. And it's an opt-in ministry that we've been slowly rolling out. And if you know Dr. Justin Ellis, he is our, our care portal team leader on that. He's a dentist here in town who goes to our church and he gets needs that are sent in and he green lights them to those who have said, we'd like to be responders. So in the, in the coming months, you'll hear more about that. 
But I want you to be praying for that. We've already met our very first care portal need, and we think it's very important that we do that. You see the Tennessee Baptists up there. How many of you remember when Greg McCoy was here talking about the need that we had at our Tennessee Baptist Children's Home? And you guys gave over $55,000 to help them relaunch their campus and get it right for the, uh, for the foster parents and kids that are going to be there. And we're so grateful for that. We need to be doing that. I had a conversation uh, this past week uh, with somebody from Amnesty International. And she said, do you know that what's happened in our state is centered around abortion legislation? And I said, I did know that. And she said, well, we believe that birth rates are, are gonna be really affected by this. They're gonna go up and it's gonna put people at risk and we're gonna have at-risk pregnancies and, and children being born and, and whatnot. And can I just say, it was a wonderful conversation. I mentioned this last week, but just to sit down and talk about the viewpoint. But, but here's the point. A lot of the world knows us as anti-abortion protesters, and that's one thing, but they need to know us as people who speak in and care for those who are in need right now. There's a difference, right? So we need to show, we need to show a little shift there and say to the world, this is important. And I loved what she said to me at the end of that conversation when she said, well, if every church did this, I guess it would affect that. Well, praise the Lord, right? That's God's people should be doing these things. And we're gonna talk about that with you this year. We're gonna ask you to step into that some more. But I just want you to think about that with us. Uh, the other thing I just wanna highlight from last year is our language ministries. Our language ministries are just doing so well, whether it's Beach Club, that Pastor Rich, and so many of our volunteers are doing at the Norman Binkley School. That's an opt-in after-school club. We got like 20, 25 kids coming every week. I think they've enrolled over 30 but you know, this year we've been able to teach Bible stories there. Every kid that's come got their own Bible, amen? Praise the Lord for that. And we've been able to meet needs that have come out of Beach Club because of your generosity to give uh, to our benevolence ministries. We've been able to help people that are, that are struggling in that. And so we're so grateful to be able to do that. We also ramped up our ESL program this year and we're just seeing tons of folks come and they learn English, and if you're gonna live here, you need to know English, which is great, but we're also giving them Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. And we're so grateful to be able to do that. And, and I just should say this, just so that you understand. Right now, there's a translator upstairs working 100 miles an hour to keep up with my mouth that's running 100 miles an hour, and I'm so sorry. I'm doing my best, uh, and I, I know it's hard, but we're benefiting from that. We translate this service every week, and I just wanna give you a statistic about this. We prayed that that would happen, we prayed that God would allow us to do that. And here's something interesting. Last year at our student camp, 20% of our, of our students came from Spanish-speaking families. Praise the Lord, right? That's the city that we live in, and that's the church. Isn't that the way it's supposed to look? That's the way it's supposed to be. And I pray that God gives us other languages that we begin to translate. I hope we start having to blow out walls up there to get more translators in, and we have to buy more of these little listening devices and spend the money to do it. Won't that be a good problem to have? Praise the Lord. We also saw some great things in our family ministry this year. Our family ministry did something that was incredible. Our pastors said, uh, Pastor Jeff, we wanna have a parents conference and we wanna lead it. We wanna set it up, we wanna run it. And they did it and it was wonderful. We had age-graded breakouts that happened that night. We had guest speakers come in and, and talk about being internet savvy parents. We had a, a guest speaker come in and talk about how to get your kids through high school into college serving the Lord. Isn't that on your brain? It's on my brain. 
I've got a couple that are be headed that direction real soon and it's on our brains. I praise the Lord for that. They had a great idea and they did such a wonderful job putting that together. I also want to remind you that we've reintroduced our counseling ministry this year. This is the third or fourth time I've mentioned it. But Pastor Kirk does a great job in that. And we have some room to grow in that. And if you have a need of, of needing to talk to somebody, he has his degree in this, and he does a wonderful job in that. And you can call the church office and set a time to come in and just get some help. Just have somebody to talk to. And it'll be great for you to do that. And we encourage you to do that. I'm so grateful we were able to do that this year because we've just seen the need rise. And so we're grateful to do that. The last thing I want to mention in our family ministry that we saw God initiate last fall was grace marriage. We have over 40 couples, I think, that are participating in our grace marriage. They'll be doing that next Sunday night again, once a quarter, coming together, working on their marriage. Because guess what? Strong families build strong churches, you know? So if our, if our families are falling apart, our church is falling apart. So praise the Lord that we have this opportunity, and I'm so grateful that that was brought to us. I also want to mention our debt reduction. When I became your pastor in, I don't know, 2016 or something like that, I told you that I felt like it was an important thing for us to start talking about repositioning our church financially. Now, if you just came from that building next door, we're grateful that we have it. But we had $7.2 million in debt in 2018. And I'll never forget going to a deacon's meeting and saying, this is what I believe God wants us to do. And one of our very astute businessmen who's a deacon said, what's the plan, pastor? And I said, I have no idea. I don't have a clue, but I feel like it's what God wants us to do. And God has been faithful to answer that. Today, I'm happy to announce that last week, our finance team approved another $150,000 going to our debt reduction. And that number used to be 7.2, now sits at $3.3 million. Praise the Lord. How about that? So grateful to the Lord. Amen. I mean, that's a massive drop off. And, and here's the thing. We wouldn't be able to do the ministry if we didn't have the building. But we also know the faster we're out of debt... Those dollars go where? Back to ministry. So it's important for us to do it. And, and I, I should say this. I'm, I failed to mention in the first service, but if you write me a $3.3 million check today, I'll name the building after you, all right? <laughs> Naming rights are still available. I do want to just say, as we're talking about debt reduction, it, it's a reminder of some of the ministries that happen around here that, that are important. Our church plant, the gathering at 840, looks to move into their new building in this quarter. They think that they'll be able to do it. And we're praising God for that. That They are established and thriving. And I do want to just give a quick update on a couple of things. A lot of ministries happen around here every week. So I don't give you a lot of updates on them, but our Awana ministry continues to grow. And as it does, guess what we need? We need people who can listen, to come listen to verses. We're short on that. And if you can do that, please help us out. See Pastor Rich, see Julie Roberts, and let us know that. Our upward ministry continues to grow. I was so grateful to, to hear about people giving their testimonies this week at Upward, and, and that's a great ministry for us in our sports ministry. And then I have to tell you all this. Y'all know we have a helping hands ministry here. They do sewing projects for people. And so a lot of our senior adult ladies and some of our young ladies Last year, they sold 8,517 items they gave away to preemie blankets, homeless uh, folks got uh, stocking caps, chemo blankets, I mean, all these kinds of things that they do. And uh, a couple of weeks back, uh, I believe it was you and I, Dan, and Tyler, maybe, I may be making this up. I know Tyler was there. Were you there when we went on this visit? You weren't. Eh. I wish you were. Uh, <clears throat> it's a good story. Tyler and I were there. 
And uh, we went to visit this lady. She was, had an upcoming heart surgery coming up. And y'all know Gussie Walker leads uh, our, our Helping Hands ministry. And I knocked on her door. She's waiting on heart surgery. We go in her house. And I said, well, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Just trying to get these blankets done for Gussie. And I said, you know, you can take a break. No, we got to get them done, Pastor. I'm telling you, you don't want to get on Gussie's wrong side. She's short in stature, but she'll take you out, you know? We're going to get these blankets done, whether you've got heart surgery or not coming, you know? The people need the blankets, you know? So praise the Lord for that. We're grateful for all that they did this past year. I do have one more thing that I kind of wrote in my notes this morning. It didn't make it into my prepared notes. Last Sunday, a man named David Nelms came by my house. David Nelms leads the Timothy Initiative. He's been one of our global focus partners for many years. He was in a, uh, Nashville speaking at another church, and he said, can I just come hang out for a minute? I want to talk to you about a couple things. And So we were just watching football together while he was waiting on his flight back down to Florida, where he was going to continue speaking this past week. He said, Pastor Jeff, I remember the day that you and I met, and I remember it too. It was at the old Tennessee Baptist Convention building. Brother Randy Davis, our executive director of all the Tennessee Baptists, had David come and speak. And we just felt an instant kindred spirit there. And I introduced him to my dad, and David's become a regular around here. He said, Pastor Jeff, your church has given over $300,000 since I met you to the Timothy Initiative. And that means you've done something most churches can't ever say that they've done. You planted a thousand churches. Think about that with me for a minute. I feel, feel like we need that applause guy over here, you know? Now, I never thought about that. I, I didn't think, of, I mean, we weren't chasing some number with David. He just came to tell us that. Hey, you, you guys planted a thousand churches just through our ministry, not including anything else you've done, just through our ministry. That blew me away because all we've tried to do is be faithful to resource what God's brought to us, support missions that God has put in front of us, go with those folks and be excited about what's going on. And that kind of leads us to this year of growing in joy and going in joy. And we're asking you to do that because individually we have a responsibility to grow this year. If you stagnate and stop growing, we're all gonna be worse for it. We, we need you to be growing. We have an expectation that every one of us is growing, no matter if you're new in Christ, or even walking with the Lord for a long time. You should be growing in the Lord. We have some needs. We need you to grow in leadership this year. And we need that to happen in our church. We've got some spots that we need some people to step into and say, man, I don't know if I feel equipped for this, but God can resource me and I'll trust him and I'm gonna grow as I do it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that step. We have opportunities that exist for you to do this in our grow groups every week, our life groups, church-wide events. We want you to be involved in the life of the church, to be growing with us in joy, but we also want you to be going in the joy of the Lord on mission this year. And that kind of leads us to our first thing, and that's, once again, we can't stop thinking about new people. We can't stop. We've gotta keep constantly asking the Lord to do his work to save people. We've gotta be asking the Lord to keep our eyes on the harvest that's in front of us. Jesus said the harvest was plentiful. Pray that workers would go into the harvest. And I wanna read something to you that I think has become very important to me. And I've actually preached a sermon to you on this from the Gospel of Mark. I'm not gonna preach a sermon on it today, but I think it's important for us to be reminded of. The kingdom of God is like this, he said. 
A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows. And although he doesn't know how, the soil produces a crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain on the head. And as soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. And you remember there's a couple of things about this that we have to keep in front of our minds all the time. One, there's some work that we have to do. And it's busy work. I mean, it keeps us occupied, right? It's, it's not busy work in that it's not meaningful. I mean, it, it's, it's hard work. Sharing the gospel and, and engaging people is, is work. And, and God calls us to do that. And there are seasons of our lives where it kind of spins up real fast. And we find ourselves having to do that and really engaging with that. And that's okay. But then there's a season where it says that after we've scattered that seed, what happens? It says we rest. You know what you've never seen is somebody who's a plant growing coach. You know what I mean? You have a coach on a basketball team. He's a, a, exhorting you to do things, but you don't plant something and go buy it every day and go, grow, grow. You don't do that. You plant it, you water it, you step back. You go to sleep at night and what happens? It does what it's supposed to do. The spirit of God does exactly what he's supposed to do. He draws people to Christ. We have to be faithful to share the gospel and then we have to be faithful to let the spirit do what he's going to do. But notice there's a second time of work there and that's when the harvest comes. The harvest sometimes brings a lot of work in your life because guess what? Now you got somebody to disciple. You, you gotta teach them to observe all things that Jesus commanded. And, and so we understand that. And we understand that as we never lose sight of new people, it's, it's a constant recurring theme in our lives that we wanna see more and more people introduced to Jesus Christ, set on a path to discipleship so that they serve him. That never changes. Pray for that. To that end, we've reinvigorated our camps. I announced this last week, but it's important for you to understand it. We're gonna have vacation Bible school for all of our age-graded students in elementary school up through uh, our merged students, which is fifth and sixth grade. We call that jump start. Now, here's why this is important. How many of you, just, just real quick, I, I'm always curious. How many of you heard the gospel for the first time or gave your life to Christ at a vacation Bible school? Would you raise your hand, anybody? Yep, look around the room. Everywhere you see, folks who were saying, yep, I was there. I heard the gospel there. I was saved there. It's important. It's an important week for us to be doing that. And so we're gonna invest in that heavily like we do every year. We're gonna send kids to student camp this year. We're gonna send them to merge camp this year. But we're also reinvigorating what we tested last year was proven and we're throwing a lot of energy into our jam camp and our sports camp because we had kids get saved last year doing that. We want to see people saved. We wanna engage their families. So this is a perfect spot for you to volunteer to serve for a week. Come serve with Pastor Kirk in jam camp. Some, uh, come serve with Pastor Dan in our sports camp. You don't have to know near what you think you do to come be a face that checks people in and, and, and helps people get where they're going. We will equip you to do what you need to do. We want you to serve. Serve in VBS. Go to camp with our students. Help us do that. Next, we're going to have our renewal conference again this year. That's gonna start on February the 19th. Drake Nosco is going to come and he's going to be our first speaker. And then our, 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 our brother, Dwayne Lewis is going to come and Dwayne's going to speak to us about what it's like to minister when your joy is being attacked by outside circumstances. You'll really be encouraged by his story because he confronted the darkness in his church and what the enemy meant for evil, he's turning to good, praise the Lord. You'll be encouraged. 
And then our very own Rock Collins is gonna speak for us on the last night of that renewal conference. Miss Geraldine's husband, Rock, is here with us. Wait for everybody, Rock, so we can see you. Praise the Lord. He's gonna encourage us evangelistically to sow the seed and, and make sure that our eyes are on the prize of winning people to Jesus Christ. We're asking you again this year to engage in gospel engagements and global focus. Now, we've changed that this year. The gospel engagement wall used to be here. We've moved it over here. And we ask you, as you leave the service today, walk out and look at our map of the world and see our gospel engagements. I just put one in this morning. What is a gospel engagement? It's when we go before the, the lost of, of the world or the lost of our neighborhood or our coworkers and we speak the name of Jesus. We invite them to church. We leave a gospel track in their hands. We invite them to an event that we're having at church. We, we pray for them at work because they're struggling. We, we take them to lunch and, and just try to, try to shape their lives with the gospel. That's a gospel engagement. Why do we record those? It's not for a notch in our gun belt, so to speak, like we're some kind of gunfighter. And I, I shared the gospel a bunch this week. No, it's to keep us accountable to do it. We said a number of years ago, we wanted 50,000 gospel engagements every year because there were so many people moving to Nashville, Tennessee. Guys, if we don't engage them, somebody else will. Somebody will take them to a bar. Somebody will take them someplace they don't need to be. They're gonna be engaged, so why not us? Why not let it be us? And as we ask you to go into global focus, we're gonna ask you to go this year with us around the world. And so part of that, if you go out this wall right here, it's our emphasis wall where our gospel engagement wall used to be. You're gonna see a big screen and there's some papers there that we want you to grow in. We're gonna give you that opportunity. We're gonna, gonna give you opportunities to go on mission trips. We've got uh, resources there for you to start having a devotional time with the Lord. We've got a lot of opportunities for you and we want you to check these things out and just go through that. We're gonna bring opportunities for you to confront the darkness. Greg McCoy of the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home will be back this spring with one of his trainers and they're just gonna do a night for us. What is foster care? Answer your questions. Just trying to help you do that. We've got several families walking through that and we can maybe point you through some of the answers that we're learning along the ways about that. And here's what I would say to you is God may not be calling you to be a foster family, but God may be calling you to support a foster family. All of us can do that. All of us can be part of that. As we confront the darkness, we go to that. The next thing I wanna just keep in front of you is more of an attitudinal shift than it is uh, maybe something we'll measure so much. But you know, every week people come up to me and say, this is one of the friendliest churches I've ever been to. And I always tell them this, it was friendly before I got here. I walked in and it was friendly and that's the truth. And I'm so glad that they don't come up and say, this place is awful. Y'all don't talk to anybody, you know? And we were talking about that in our staff meeting this past week. Why, why is it that this church seems to be a welcoming place and why would it be important for us to keep it that way? Well, a couple of things. You know, there are a lot of people that are third and fourth generation in this church, praise the Lord. That's awesome, isn't it? And, and you know, it can sometimes make it feel like a family and a family feels like home and that's what we want to happen. We want you to feel like this is your home and, and this is family and, and it's all good for you to be here. There's a downside to that though. It's a, a sharp kind of two-edged sword, isn't it? Because families sometimes turn inwards and exclude people. Can I ask you to do something for me today? If you see somebody you don't know, just walk up to them and say, I probably should have known your name by now, and I'm sorry, but my name's so-and-so. How long have you been here? And, and help me with this too. 
If you've been here for like 10 or 20 years, don't be like, well, I've been here for 10 or 20 years. Why are you asking me? You know, understand, they, just help us. We need to keep this a welcoming place. We need to keep inviting people to be part of the family and make sure that they know this is a place where they can land and plant their lives and bring their families. Finally, we're gonna ask you to participate with us this year in four specific days of joy. Jesus, others, yourself. We're gonna mark off four spots on our calendar where no matter what's going on, we're gonna stop preaching what we've been preaching and we're gonna look at an aspect of joy. Now, why is this important? Why would that be a thing for us? Well, as we talk about growing and going, I think there is a kind of a, a tendency as we confront the darkness to become calloused, bitter, maybe even angry. But I want to read this passage of scripture again from Isaiah 55. These folks were under duress and notice what the Lord said to them. You're going to go out with joy and be peacefully guided. Could there be any better descriptor of us than to be people who live with joy and peace in our lives? To be people who, when we confront the darkness, don't become bitter by it or wounded by it, but as we go out and minister to people, understanding that, you know, Jesus walked into some places that were very uncomfortable. He walked into situations that were uncomfortable. And sometimes we find ourselves doing that. And we're going to ask you to join us in four days of joy where we look at an aspect of joy because we don't want to lose this. We don't want to lose this great thing that God's given us. It's a gift. It's our strength. It's a command to be obeyed. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. And I know that Maybe today you kind of walked in with a little bit of a limp. You may on one of these days of joy, and that's okay. The joy of the Lord will be our strength. It's okay for us to be in the struggle. It's okay for us to not have all the answers. It's okay for us to be confronted by things that really push back against what, what we know to be true. And, hey, but we know this, we serve a sovereign God who sits on the throne, who's loved us. He's called us according to his purpose. I just believe that this year, God wants us to experience his joy, maybe like we never have before. So I'm asking you to join us in that, to be with us and do that. I want to just say to you, uh, it may feel like the task ahead hasn't changed very much, and that's because it hasn't. But I think there's something that happens in a church's life when the joy of the Lord begins to bubble up in it. Now, you know, we Baptists are often, I think, incorrectly accused of being the frozen chosen. We're not frozen. God melted our heart of stone. and He replaced it with a living hope inside of our lives. And as we live with joy and peace this year, we will not be overtaken by the darkness. We can't be overtaken by the darkness because the darkness cannot overtake the light. And so I'm asking you this year, to join us in that. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and would you begin right now asking the Lord to help you experience his joy, maybe in a way that you've never experienced it before. And maybe that's a sacrifice of praise for you today. That's okay. Joy doesn't mean that our external circumstances are great. Joy means that our hope is fixed in Jesus. 
Maybe today you've never given your life to Christ. You don't know what we're talking about, this joy that we have. Well, we'd love for you to know who Jesus is. I'd love to introduce you to him. He's the best friend you've never known. He wants to know you. He wants to be known by you. Father, today as we've come to your house, we've come in with joy. We've sung our joy to you. We have obeyed the command to rejoice in the best way that we know how. And Father, I pray this year as we seek to see more people saved and more people engaged with the gospel that you would allow us to do it. Be with us as we travel the world going on mission and may our joy go before us. Father, it's your joy in us. And may we be peaceful people who look at the eye of the storm and don't fret, but trust you. God, make your joy our strength today. We believe it. And here in just a minute, Lord, as we stand to sing in joy, we're gonna do so because you've commanded us to. And our obedience will lead our hearts. Father, thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.